Well, it's Zacchaeus Sunday, and those of us who been, have been Orthodox for a while will know that Lent, that means Lent is coming. Um, and much as I would like to talk about Zacchaeus, and particularly about uh, the, uh, what he reveals to us about repentance, uh, how it's almost like um, you know, when Christ came to, to give the good news, the gospel, and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it was almost like something I experienced just last night where you, you think this, this door is like locked or something and you're trying to open it and, 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 then, and then someone comes along and just like twists the knob a little harder and opens it up and you realize, wow, that's what God wants, wanted all along is, is repentance. Um, but I, much as I'd like to give that homily again, because I don't think we can ever be reminded enough about how, what an amazing miracle the gift of repentance is that Christ has opened for us. Uh, what I would like to speak to you about today is actually the epistle reading. I believe I've spoken about it before, but, I, uh, um, but I'm reminded particularly of the kind of core of the epistle reading as I look on all of your relatively young faces uh, as I as I realized with my, my my dear friend reader James, as he observed not too long ago, we're we're, we're getting up there, as as is evidenced by my white hair, um, and 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 what what we have in the epistle reading is a, a very unique bit of advice, like a little tiny window into uh, how the apostle Paul would have well did exhort someone who was younger than himself. Uh, his his protege Timothy, uh, and Timothy was probably at this point, given what we hear in this in this um, little pericope, this this sec- section, he's probably already uh, ordained a young priest or possibly even a young bishop, uh, assuming those were even dis- uh, those two offices were even um, distinguished in, at that point um, in the church's history. Uh, but the advice that he gives to Timothy is relevant to every single young person and even to to some extent to us old guys as well so uh let's let's uh, let's dive in here uh, I, and i want to first of all start by contextualizing it as, as as i like to do uh because it's it's good to kind of get some of the background so i'm gonna kind of back up to chapter four uh, to the beginning of chapter four of first timothy um and and it says here now the exp- the Spirit expressly says that in the later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So kind of the background here, the backdrop here is the later times or the last days, the end of the world as we know it, which I don't know, it seems kind of, given all the wars and rumors of wars and stuff that, that are around us, seems like a kind of appropriate backdrop for us to be considering this from. Uh, and there's all sorts of weird stuff going on. Um, you know, there, people are uh, sabotaging the whole, the, 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 the whole institution of marriage. Um, there's, there's all sorts of weird teachings out there. Um, and uh, we don't have, I'm not sure that there's a, a huge movement right now about uh, people requiring abstinence from certain foods, but, uh, you know, 
I think the, the, the point that Paul makes here is, is very relevant to us, right? Um, the food God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything, he says, is created by God. Everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. I think that's, this is actually a, a really key point as we find ourselves in a, in a uh, society which is increasingly rejecting any association that it might once have had with the gospel uh, and, um, and, and occasionally is, is um, um, uh, advancing all sorts of uh, stuff and ideas and new, even new technologies that are kind of weird. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's actually really valuable for us to keep this in mind. Everything is ultimately created by God and is therefore good. Matter itself is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and by prayer. That's, that's an important qualification there at the end here. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the word of God by which it was created makes it holy, but we also need to receive it with thanksgiving, with prayer. And that context that we receive everything with sanctifies everything, makes everything holy. All we need is really thanksgiving to God and prayer. We don't have to be afraid, even if it is the end of the world, even if there's all sorts of weird ideas out there. We don't have to be afraid. Rather, we positively embrace everything that can be embraced, uh, knowing that everything ultimately is created by God. And as we receive it with thanksgiving and prayer, that makes it holy for us. If you will put these things before the brethren, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily exercise is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it pro holds promise for the present life and also for the, for the life to come. And this was one of my favorite verses when I was in high school, um, mostly because I hated PE, physical education. Uh, uh, you know, um, bodily exercise profits little. You know, it's not, not of much value. Well, or as it's perhaps bet better put here, you know, Bodily exercise, bodily training is of some value, but it's not the most important thing. Um, uh, it, rather, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So in the same way that you, know, you are being or have been encouraged to you know, exercise, get up, get moving, you know, which is good. It's good for us, and, uh, but it's... it's it's of some value. Paul is actually saying more important is exercising godliness. Exercising, uh, practicing, living your life in a way that is focused on God. Because, yeah, exercise, bodily exercise is good. It's nice to have good health while you, while you have it uh, and to foster that and encourage that. But Good spiritual health is a value not only for this life, and that's interesting as well, because sometimes we tend to think of, a, well, no, that kind of godliness is it's just good for the life to come. No, no, he says 
it's good for this life and for the age to come. So, you know, if you want like to have an exercise program, program that is all encompassing, then make sure that it's actually focused on practicing being godly. And then that's, that, that fulfills everything. And, and then, then we get into the, the pericope that we just heard. Uh, the say, this is a, a, a trustworthy saying and worthy of full acceptance. For to this end, for this, this telos, this purpose, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. This is our hope. This is our goal. This is our entire focus that we understand God is at work for the salvation of uh, who, who, because he is the savior. He is the one who saves all people, especially those who believe. I, I kind of love that little qualification. Uh, if, if you want kind of a verse Proof text, or as Orthodox Christians, we don't do a whole lot of proof texting. But if you want a proof text that kind of that says the, uh, the the tradition teaches that God is at work saving those even outside the church, it's here. He's the savior of all people. Everyone who is saved is saved ultimately by God, especially of those who believe. So, um, goes on, command and teach these things. So here now we get into some of the advice that is specific to Timothy as a young priest or a young bishop. Um, uh, but I think, again, a lot of this is still really relevant to us. Uh, command and teach these things. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believer an example. And I'll pause there. There is this tendency, uh, especially amongst the old, you know, to look down on youth. Oh, they're, they're so eager and enthusiastic. They'll grow out of it. Uh, they'll have a few hard knocks of life. And then eventually they're just, gets, gets just as cynical and grumpy as I am. You know? And, and you know, that's, it's a natural thing, I suppose, but it's not a good natural thing. Uh, rather, because I think one of the reasons that it's, it's kind of, well, there's a lot of reasons why it's bad. One is that this is a stage, youth is a stage that all of us go through. Why then would we despise it? Why would, then we would look down on it? Why then would we see, look at like the, the natural enthusiasm of the young and say, oh, no, that's something that I just, just, they should, even they themselves should be trained to just kind of laugh that, laugh that off. It's like, no. That enthusiasm, that joy is good. Hold on to it. Develop it. Now, there's natural problems that come along with being young, one of which is you don't know much yet. Uh, and, you know, and then eventually you get old and then you forget all the stuff that you did know. But anyhow, uh, the, the, uh, but, and, and that's precisely then what, what uh, Paul, and there's, there's a, a natural tendency to be zealous, but that, zealous, that zeal can sometimes lack direction. And so what Paul then goes on to say here is actually really generally useful for anybody who happens to be, you know, younger than me, um, and maybe for me too. Um, he says, set the, set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. All if, if you're going to be zealous about something, be zealous about living out the faith. 
set a good example for all of those around you by your speech, watch your words, by your conduct, make sure that you're behaving appropriately, be, be good, in love, love those around you, in faith, in purity. Until I come, he says, devote yourself to reading, to exhortation, and to teaching. Uh, the, this particular translation glosses this to the public reading of scripture. Yeah, um, and, and certainly the focus is uh, when he talks about this uh, reading, exhortation to teaching, it's, it's all on scripture. No, no question about that. Um, um, I think it's interesting that when someone is ordained a reader, one of the things, uh, or tonsured a reader, I should say, uh, one of the things that they are uh, exhorted to do is read. Like, <laughs> read the text beforehand. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, uh, well, one very practical reason in the ancient world is you didn't have capitalization and punctuation, uh, so you kind of had to tease out the meaning of it beforehand. But, but a more, I think a more significant one, for, and, and which applies more generally to, to us, who are, who do have the opportunity to read the scriptures as St. John Chrysostom was always exhorting his congregation to do. Uh, read the scriptures, absorb them. Because, and, and again, just as we, as we were uh, listening to in the conferences, I think, uh, I think it was Abenestris, who was basically saying, um, fill yourself with these stories. These are the stories that should define us as the people of God, because there are stories. You should know them, therefore. They should be in your hearts at all times. One of the things I, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit sad I haven't emphasized, that was, I was emphasized in my life growing up, and which I have not emphasized with my own children, is the value of memorization. Uh, it's, we, we don't kind of value that anymore, because, you know, I could just look it up on the internet, assuming that you remember at least a little bit of it, right? Uh, but, but actually, memorization, uh, or, or even just like if it's not formal memorization, just reading the stories over and over and over again until they, until they, they sink in is really valuable. Because then you carry them around with you in your heart everywhere you go. And, so, and you start to see parallels. It's like, oh, this is, this is a little bit like Jacob and Esau. Or, oh, yeah, this, this situation here is like Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Uh, or, or whatever else. You know, you, you name the story. If there's something that is, uh, that, that, is pro that is happening to you, there's probably some sort of parallel back there in the experience of the people of God. And how will you know that, you know, unless you're, Googling all the time is like, is there a parallel for this? It's like, no. <laughs> if you have it in your mind, then the parallel will occur to you. So read, read the scriptures, absorb them, remember them, because this is a, a foundation for this godliness that Paul is describing in general here to, to Timothy. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by the by prophecy when the when the uh, uh, this is variously translated here. It says council of elders, uh, presbyterate, um, uh, um, laid their hands on you. Uh, 
here from an Orthodox perspective, this is what makes it really clear that Timothy has already been ordained. That's what we do when we ordain someone. We lay hands on them. Um, so, um, and, but, and, and so, yeah, most of you aren't ordained. But I think, again, this can be more generally applied. We, well, well Tim, Paul is talking especially about the gift that was, that, that, that was kind of supernaturally, he was supernaturally endowed with at his ordination. We all understand ourselves to have spiritual gifts from God. And it's really interesting, the word that he says here, the, 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 the phrase here, where he says, do not neglect the gift that you have. That can be understood two ways, and I think I think I would I would want to understand it both ways. One is, don't bury your talent. All of the gifts and talents that you have are given to you by God to for use to build for for what purpose to build up those around you, and especially those who are of the household of faith. And Paul talks about the church as this body, and each of us as different organs in that body. And each organ has its own role. And if one organ decides, I'm not going to do my job anymore, then all the other organs around it suffer, or possibly the whole body suffers. Each of us has a job to do. And it's our job not to neglect that job. So do it. Figure out what you are, what God has given you to do. And, and I don't think it's actually that hard. Like, I don't think you have to do a spiritual gift survey or something like that no what what are you good at what do you enjoy doing and then how can that apply how can you use that to help those around you don't do that but the other thing is i think uh, the other way, uh, way we can understand do not neglect the gift that is in you i think is that the a gift is not something that is just like sits there and that you have no it's something that you can develop and 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 um tease out and grow and and make better um so so that if you if you if you have a gift of oh i don't know uh drawing uh then anybody who has done any drawing i have no gift for drawing uh, but i've seen seen other people who do have it uh and and they 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 then need to keep drawing and keep drawing and Keep doing it. Practice uh, so that you get better and better at it, and and do it in a way that uh, that is uh, aware with an awareness of of what you are doing. Keep doing it, and that's basically the the basic principle of exercise that we saw earlier before. It's like the the model here is the model of exercise. You 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 have an exercise and you keep doing it and your body gets used to it and then it just becomes second nature so that you are actually always doing it and that you're doing it well. Do not neglect the gift that you have which was given to you by prophecy when the presbyterists laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. Uh, not fond of this particular translation. Watch your life and doctrine closely. For by, the, by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Uh, doctrine, teaching, that, 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 that bit of translation I, I, I'm fine with. You, know, you, can, you can understand it as the teaching of the church, the kerygma, the proclamation, uh, um, 
uh, the doctrine of the church, uh, the, the authoritative teaching of the church. Watch that. That's important. We, we, none of us, the gospel doesn't begin with any of us. It, it began with Christ in God, ultimately rooted in eternity itself. Uh, and it was handed down to us. And so uh, it's, uh, we, we don't go around with thinking that we, we, with, which, you know, is, is perhaps one of the potential dangers of youth, uh, arrogantly thinking that it all started with me. Hey, I had this great idea. I mean, one of the things that was what really kind of blew me away when I was starting to come to orthodoxy was like, hey, I thought I was the only one who ever figured that out. <laughs> like, apparently they've, been, they've got, had this for 2,000 years already. Oh, okay, well... That puts me in my place, right? <laughs> so, 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 but, but this is also a gift. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We know what a wheel is like. It's round. You put an axle in it, and then it rotates, and it's actually very handy. And then, you know, you, you have your own brilliant idea of, oh, let's try a triangular thing. Let's see if that works. Yeah, right. Uh, you don't have to make those silly mistakes because you have a framework that has been handed down. So watch that. But it's not just about getting things right. That's why I, I didn't like, was not fond of the, the first bit of that translation. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Because Christianity is a way of life. The whole point of the doctrine, a whole point of the teaching is for, to teach us how to live. And so we need to actually do it. Otherwise, it's completely useless, like having the world's greatest exercise program and then never exercising, you know. No, you actually have to do it, put it into practice. If there's anything that kind of sums up this whole section, it's like, no, you know what to do, now do it. And as you do this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. But one of the things that we do tend to forget uh, even us old guys, uh, is that we are all interconnected. We are ultimately destined all to be one in Christ. And so what we do has an effect on those around us. So watch your life and doctrine closely and you will save not only yourself. We don't necessarily have to think about this as a negative effect. We can think of it also as a positive effect. You will save both yourself and you're here. So, as I say, I wanted to share this uh, because I, I see what, you know, the, what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's, he's moving towards uh, the end. I'm not saying that I'm necessarily getting that close to the end, God grant, <laughs> but, but I'm certainly closer to the end now than I was before. Uh, and what does Paul do? He encourages, he exhorts. Uh, he says, look, these are the strengths build on them. And I would encourage you, this is the way. Walk in it. Practice it. Build on it. And as you do so, you will save both yourself and your hearers and by God's grace, the whole world around you to his glory. The glory of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever into ages and ages.